When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Theo, the Lions select Jameer Gibbs, shocking the world. It was one of the more disappointing outcomes I can remember in NFL draft history because I felt betrayed by Brad Holmes. I I am so heartened when we see a general manager make uh, the right decisions over and over and over again. And and you're like, okay, this, this is not an outlier. This is not just blind luck. This guy knows what he's doing. And and I was lulled into that false sense of uh, appreciation of Brad Holmes for multiple years, only to be just stabbed under the ribs you you have to abandon your lions matt based on based on holmes it's a little sad cuz that was going to be your team this year and also the fact that we have had to deal with antonio gibson last year and now deandre swift this year it's just these backs that we like um get put in these these awful situations but you know in terms of jameer gibbs it's extremely exciting he gets top 15 draft capital it's an an outlier profile that an NFL team completely bet on, put pushed all the chips in the table for, and was willing to spend this sort of draft capital on him, even after spending the money on David Montgomery, and even after having a back of DeAndre Swift's pedigree on their roster. So I think they have massive plans for Jameer Gibbs, and I think this is a huge win for people holding like the 105 in Superflex drafts. I, I, love, I love this outcome for Gibbs. No, we got two running backs drafted in the first round, so that's a win for fantasy leaguers right we we got uh, the top five draft capital for uh, anthony richardson that's a win for super flexors massive right we got four wide receivers drafted in the first round it was going to be either three or four i didn't i didn't think that uh quentin johnston deserved to be drafted in the first round but certain teams chargers included we'll talk about him in a minute are infatuated by him fine it's all good Right. We get so that's one, two, three, four, five, six skill position players, not quarterbacks, plus the three quarterbacks, plus the tight end. So, this, I think that it could have been worse. Like, some of you are in the comments talking about how disappointed this was or, or, or how underwhelming the first round was. It was not underwhelming. No, we didn't get the tight ends that we wanted. No, we didn't get any surprise wide receivers. Other than that, we didn't get Will Levis drafted. I understand all that. But most of the things we needed and wanted to happen, Top five capital for Stroud, check. Yeah. Top five capital for Richardson, check. Gibbs goes first round. Bijan goes top 10. And the wide receivers, with the exception, the glaring exception of Zay Flowers, land well. This was a good first round for fantasy football. Even Dalton Kincaid lands in a dream spot. So we're we're happy overall. I'm also excited for round two and three. We're going to be live on YouTube for round two, round three. And uh, it's now uh, the podcast for last night is uploading. So you, you can catch up this afternoon as well. DeAndre Swift is now a redundant asset in Detroit. Brad Holmes has been exposed at, as a, a general manager that actually doesn't know how to properly build a winning franchise in the NFL. He may win anyway, right? You can most general managers don't start from the, the ground up and build position by position in the, in the way that the lions were on a trajectory to only to start just blowing picks, just blowing picks. It wasn't just the running back in the top 20. It was the off ball linebacker. It was the, the Jack Campbell pick was the real slap in the face. Like if they had gone back to a chalk pick, right. If they had just gone offensive line or edge, I'd have been fine. Okay. Yeah. Like you guys, you made the, that one luxury pick. You're, the Chiefs drafted Clyde Edwards Hilaire and they're in the Super Bowl every year. So it one mistaken draft pick, you can't, but two, two, and the, the types of picks they were running back and off-ball linebacker. It's possible that 
Dan Campbell has won some kind of power struggle in Detroit. These seem to me like Dan Campbell picks more than Brad Holmes. You can see I'm so emotionally invested in Brad Holmes. I don't want to believe that he did this. I want to believe that this was Dan Campbell going to ownership saying, I, I almost got us to the playoffs. Trust me. Let me have more say. Let me pick some of these groceries with Brad. We're going to be a team together. That's my my suspicion of what was happening behind the scenes because not only does the guy have the last name Campbell, he is like the dirtiest, nastiest middle linebacker that Dan Campbell would fall in love with. And then they draft a running back when they already have one of the best running back duos in the league. This just screams and drips you know, ankle-biting head coach move. Campbell absolutely agree with you. That's like a like a very on-brand one for Dan Campbell. And they definitely squandered their chance to kind of like put a sledgehammer into the division. They have like the open window with Aaron Rodgers out of Green Bay. They were the Vegas favorite to win this division. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see, you know, what they do uh, for the rest of the draft. But they certainly had, they certainly squandered some, some opportunities, uh, in my opinion. So what about DeAndre Swift? How quickly is he going to be traded? Because he makes no sense on the roster. They've already come out and said, hey, he's a player that is on the roster. That was the interview question was, hey, guys, how, how does this draft pick of Jameer Gibbs affect DeAndre Swift? Well, DeAndre Swift is a player on the roster currently. That was their response. Yeah, it's it's not good. Uh, I think that there's a there's a there's a chance that they hold on to him longer than we'd like. We'd like for him to get traded today. Um, I think he'll see an immediate dynasty boost as soon as he's moved. Um, we talked about this on the Sonic Truth pod, Matt, about how this is uh, DeAndre Swift is in a contract year. Um, so, you know, there is a light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak. Um, I think the nightmare scenario would be they say, we're invested in using the running backs. We have DeAndre Swift on a cheap deal. Let's hold on to him throughout the season. Maybe we flip him at like the trade deadline uh, when somebody's desperate for a running back, they're willing to pay us more. Uh, but it's there's some nightmare scenarios where there are three headed backfield this season. It would be absolutely catastrophic. But I think that the possibility the possibility is out there. It would be bad. It would be bad because even bad for David Montgomery because if if DeAndre Swift's on the roster, DeAndre Swift's going to get some carries inside the twenty. Yeah, it's going to hurt everybody. It's it's not going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, the, the beauty of going out and trading for DeAndre Swift now. If you have any panic sellers of DeAndre Swift, now would be the time to strike. You have like a 24-hour window to get him. I think he's likely traded because it makes sense for the trade to happen now because a team is going to make a opportunity cost-based decision. Am I going to draft the best running back on our board in round three or would I prefer to trade for DeAndre Swift? That's why it's likely to happen within the next day or two because teams are going to be making these decisions on the fly and they need to know. If you're the Philadelphia Eagles, the best running back available is actually DeAndre Swift. Absolutely. And right? you can say that for a number of teams. Like we talked about Cincinnati being a great landing spot for Jameer Gibbs at the end of the first round. Now that that ship has sailed, they can simply just call Detroit and make an offer. You talk about Kansas City could use another running oh. back. I mean, if DeAndre Swift goes to Kansas City, people's heads are going to explode. Um, what about what about him going to the Chargers? The char the chart call Austin Eckler's bluff. Washington was linked to Bijan Robinson. Um, you could see Washington pick up the phone and try to call DeAndre Swift, and that would be a you know not ideal for An Antonio Gibson hopes, but DeAndre Swift would certainly help that that offense a ton. And how about the Miami Dolphins, Matt, which was a team that a few years back we thought was going to potentially draft DeAndre Swift, um, you know, in in the first round, and it didn't happen. Now they have an opportunity to go get him and and sign him into a second deal. So the and I'll also throw out the Los Angeles Rams, who do a lot of kind of interesting things. They kind of go beat by their go to, by the beat of their own drum. DeAndre Swift um, to the Los Angeles Rams, I think, would be very interesting in a Sean McVay offense where they maybe don't have the you know long term hopes for Cam Akers. A two-headed backfield with Akers and Swift would be okay. just dynamic. So a million spots we get excited about. It wouldn't be great. You don't want him going to the Rams. Come on. The Rams offensive line has really taken a step back since Andrew Whitworth retired. The bottom line is most of the landing spots, most of the conceivable places that DeAndre Swift would end up are good. 
That's why he's a trade target. Because if you actually game out the decision-making of all the teams that would be in the market for a player like DeAndre Swift, very few of them are not contenders. Contenders with elite quarterbacks and you know above-average offensive lines where there's going to be touchdowns, there's going to be a lot of passes caught. It, it's, it's an interesting time to have DeAndre Swift. You absolutely hold if you have him and be open to a trade if he becomes available in your league. Now, with Jameer Gibbs, he's a lion. They clearly like him more than DeAndre Swift. So even though he's going to initially, in the first 24 hours since being selected, go into this super crowded backfield, one trade and that the whole crowd is, the whole is, the dilemma is solved. Yeah, it's, he's completely insulated based on what they spent on him. He's going to be, you know, used. And I think that Matt, there's like, we think about Alvin Kamara in his rookie year. It's a completely different situation because of the draft capital, but Kamara landed in a perceived crowded backfield with AP and Mark Ingram. That's right. Calvin Kamara ends up being the one that wins us fantasy leagues. Um, and I'll also throw out the the available targets in, in Detroit. After Amon Ross St. Brown, they're going to need somebody else to step up. And there's not a tight end of note on the roster. There's not a wide receiver two of note on the roster until Jamison's back. So I think that there's a chance that Gibbs, even in a crowded backfield, is still has that sort of receiving floor that he's going to be effective um, you know, from day one. It's, it's very, very exciting. And I think that you could also get a great head start in those, those first six weeks because after Amon Ross St. Brown, I mean, he's the, the second most dynamic receiving option on the, t- on the team right now. Crazy, uh, uh, he had crazy targets per route run at Alabama a natural receiver, and they just spent the, the a top 15 pick on him. So it's it's wild times if, if you were hoping to do it. I, I mean, it's incredible. You say it out loud. Yeah, it's incredible. That's why they're not our Lions. They're your Lions. They're, it's I'll, no I'll longer our Lions. Get Leave me out of it. Yeah. You can have them. They're your Lions. I'll take, uh, I'll, take, I'll take the Lions. I'll take the Lions. I still think they win the division despite the bonehead picks. And, you know, we'll give Brad Holmes an opportunity to – Earn a little bit more of Matt's respect today on, on on day two. What if they draft Will Levis? Now, now you're talking because Will Levis. This is a obviously one thing we've got to talk about today is Will Levis's descent. Um, it's been an incredibly wild week for for fantasy Twitter with with Will Levis. There was the the talk of him potentially being the top pick, which was laughable, but it did move betting lines slightly, and then he falls all the way out of the first round. He's he's one to keep an eye on. Um, I was speaking with Cody. Cody's still very hopeful about a few of these teams moving up to get him at the beginning of the second round. Um, we talked about the, the Rams, the Raiders, the, the Titans, the Titans, the Vikings. Apparently, there's a rumor that that people tried to get into the back end of the first round to take him, but like Philadelphia, Kansas City, they were sitting on so much value there with those edge rushers at the end of the first round. That they were like, no, you know, we're, we're not, we're not trading out of this pick because we, we got, you know, Nolan Smith. Nolan Smith, yeah. pick of the draft. Yeah. Nolan Smith was number three overall on Cody's big board, and he fell to the end of the first round. That was, it was what Howie wrote. Thank you, by the way, Howie. Thank you, thank you. You're the new hope. You're the last hope. Like, I mean, if 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 Howie trades for DeAndre Swift today, I think Matt is going to be wearing a Philadelphia Eagles jersey. Um, maybe, maybe for a couple of weeks, we, we have an analytics based front office that does not allow the coaching staff to override picks. Yeah. That's all you need to do. Just do not pick up the phone. Do not. Well, the problem is they're in the same war room together. Right. And you could, you could tell that Campbell's very involved. Yeah. Right. And they, they and I, Campbell also <laughs> Campbell has the like the like the alpha personality where he's imposing his will on the organization at this point in year three. Whatever Howie's doing in yeah, Philadelphia he's not to listening. keep the 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 separation of church and state of the front office and the sideline intact, that is like organizational development and uh sort of uh Role distribution 101. He could teach a master's class in this because again, it's not just about knowing which player to pick, is you have to navigate all the politics within the organization 
in order for that pick to finally get submitted and for them to bank more picks and get two of the best defenders, number one and number three overall. Did anyone else watch college football but Howie Roseman? Is he the only one? Is he the only general manager? Just the Georgia Georgia defense is now all collected and consolidated in Philadelphia. The last couple of years, all their best playmakers are now Eagles. It's what? it's it's absolutely wild. What? And they walk away from such a close Super Bowl loss to be able to add this kind of pedigree of, of defensive talent. Um, you know the offense is going to be dynamic and effective. They're the favorite, and they're, they're the favorite yeah. to win the Super Bowl. I think I think you're absolutely right. They got to be that. now. Yeah, they're absolutely you're absolutely right about that. I mean, getting those two Ferocious. guys, and they still have they're still such a complete team that like you bring up you bring up the chance to go trade for a Swift oh. or a Dalvin Cook. Oh. They could make a big splashy move today. Um, and not sacrifice much of their future because they're in such great shape. Because they've been banking picks all these years. All these guys are still on rookie deals, dude. It's it's, in, it's incredible. It's incredible. So, um, but one thing that I wanted to hear your opinion of, we we're very upset about DeAndre Swift, but we had a couple of running backs dodge bullets. Mm. Ramondre Stevenson dodged Bijan Robinson. We saw Tony Pollard dodge not only B. John Robinson, but he dodged Jameer Gibbs, which was absolutely, I think, would have been in play if they were selecting. See, that's that's the glass half full. I like this. I like this because by the Lions stepping in and taking that Jameer Gibbs piece off the board, boy, did that help Tony Pollard. They fell on the first round grenade um, in order. And now Tony Pollard, the wheels are up because not only do, did Dallas not select a running back, but they didn't add a wide receiver, which they were also, you know, rumored for. So, like, I think the chance of Tony Pollard seeing outsized targets um, and an incredible amount of touches this season, I mean, I think that's a real possibility. I, I think that he's he's the ADP riser because whatever they do today is not going to affect him. Like, we've talked about adding a Roshan Johnson would actually take stress off of him because you know he's not a he's not a like you know an every snap type running back he's a guy who dominates on a per touch basis so i think that one was absolutely huge but gibbs would have been a crushing one for him because gibbs is going to command targets so it's like an ideal outcome for for tony pollard managers i think it's uh, it's just fantastic rashad white too rashad white too matt and we've been very aggressive with our rashad white ranking in dynasty uh, we've been aggressive with with saying what a great value he is currently in early best ball drafts. There is a lot of Rashad White haters out there, and the Bucks were rumored to draft both of the big two but running the backs. The yards per carry, it's it's the yards per carry was low in his rookie year. Yeah, I mean at this point, like we discussed this morning, um, you know the the running back possibilities for Tampa Bay, and there's really nobody that's going to severely damage him at this point. And most of the scenarios, uh, you know, Rashad White's looking at like a guy who's also going to rise in ADP. So it's extremely exciting. You're talking about a guy with, you know, 50, hit the 50 catch mark as a rookie. Leonard Fournette's out of town. Uh, I mean, Rashad White could be could be a really, really yeah. great value. And I want to set the record straight. The Zach Charbonnet with, a, with a, a top 30 interview, it's not top 30. It's the 30 players where you have a gap in your evaluation, whether you didn't get to see them at their pro day, you didn't get enough sc uh, scouts to see them in person. You just want more information about this player. It doesn't mean it's your 30 favorite players. It's the 30 players where you have gaps in your scouting evaluation. And it's a possibility that you draft these guys, but it's more just a fishing expedition to try to get more information about these guys. It doesn't mean that this is one of our 30 favorite players. And also, if you're going to schedule interviews and you have no intention of trading up, you're not going to bother to even have the top 10 guys come to your facility. It's a waste. So it's it's not anything close to our 30 favorite players. So then when Zach Charbonnet ends up going to Tampa, it could just be due diligence. It does not mean by any stretch that they're into Charbonnet, that, he's, that, that this is a guy they have circled. There's 29 other guys that they're just doing – recon it's, it's recognizance that's what it is it's it's so th this uh, irrational fear that tampa is gonna go charbonnet like 
and watch them go Charbonnet. <laughs> well, like, look, so even I'll, if they do, even if they do, essentially, Zach Charbonnet, who was a four-year player like Rashad White, two years at JUCO, two years at Arizona State, both coming out of the Pac-12. Pac These are very similar players. It's just that Rashad White has proven that he is a trusted workhorse at the NFL level. He has games on his NFL resume where he commanded workhorse touches. A lot of running backs, even running backs that go day two, never get that. Keyshawn Vaughn, drafted in the third round, was never shown that kind of trust by the organization, same organization. And so the fact that you already have banked a successful, that was a successful, I know the yards per carry was low when all their offensive linemen were hurt. I understand that. But it was a successful season, given how active he was out of the backfield, given how the snap share and opportunity share in those games that Leonard Fournette missed was workhorse level. Zach Charbonnet is a ways away from, from Rashad White at this point because he does not have a successful NFL season to fall back on. So even if it is Zach Charbonnet, which I highly doubt it will be, there's only a 35% chance at best that Zach Charbonnet is better than Rashad White. I, I, let's, let's, let's just avoid Zach Charbonnet and then we're going to feel even better. About I just want to be upfront yeah. about it. Yeah, no, I, I think- just want to be upfront about it. The probabilities suggest that from what we've seen already from Rashad White, he's likely better than Zach Charbonnet is ever going to be in the NFL. And I like Zach Charbonnet, but you'll notice on our rankings, we have the rookies, we have the veterans. Rashad White has always been in a different tier than Zach Charbonnet in our dynasty rankings for the last few months. So some, some rookie uh, running backs that actually landed in one in a surprising location, one in a chalk location with Bijan going to Atlanta but Bijan taking out Tyler Algier doesn't hurt us that much. I mean, no. His lifetime value rating on player profile in the dynasty rankings was like in the fifties. Like we, he was not someone we were banking on. So him getting vaporized doesn't hurt that much. Right. And then you have Gibbs going to uh, an off the board landing spot. And suddenly we have a, a, a number of veteran backs that we're happy about. Now, what about, Bijan to Atlanta. I know that you liked Tyler Algier for a period of time. And then I finally got through to you and explained the risk. And that I understand it looks like a value. It smells like a value. It's walking like a value. It's talking like a value, but he could go to zero. And then what you did, you'd offloaded all your, you offloaded all your Algier and dynasty, right? Every single share. I, I, I do not have any exposure to Tyler Algier no. anymore. Uh, we, you know, we had a, we had like a, we had like a, I'd say a two week period of hope with free agency where he avoided all those guys. You but were at the end of the day, yeah, I was in, I you was were in, in and then you were out, you I, pulled out in and out, in and I'm out. I'm glad you pulled pump, out. Pump, it was the Tyler Algier pump and dump. I dumped them all the shares and, uh, I can't believe you pumped and dumped him. You got to pump Tyler Algier. You got to dump them. Um, I, you know, I get the, the, the lip service that Atlanta's paying to Tyler Algier right now. He was very successful as a runner. Um, he had a, a nice rookie season, but at the end of the day, he's still a quality backup. But other than that, it's just, it's over. You know, Tyler Algier is, is completely dusted because they spent the eighth overall pick on Bijan Robinson. Our dynasty running back one, Matt, is in just such a fantastic situation. Yeah, he, he's in a great situation because their offensive line is improving. They brought back Lindenbaum. And it's a run first offense. He could have landed in a bad situation where you knew he was going to lose some, some receiving work. Yeah. That was very possible. So now he's, he, he, he's, he got, it's all, it's all green grass, right? The established, there is no established running back on the team. So there, there is no incumbent veteran he's going to have to compete with. And there's not a satellite back other than Corderell Patterson, who's now in his thirties. Right. So there's not some electric young satellite back. We're like, oh man, this guy's, he's, he's probably going to lose third down work to, you know, a Tony Pollard level talent. None of the, none of that exists on Atlanta. So it's, it's smooth sailing for Bijan at the one Oh one in Superflex. I am not considering Richardson because the landing spot, especially with the top 10 capital guarantees, just a massive, massive workload in year one and beyond Alex Dunlap, who covers the Longhorns, 
that's his other job. He, he works at Roster Watch and he, he works at Orange Bloods and he's been covering B. John Robinson since he was in high school. And Alex Dunlap insists that B. John Robinson is the best running back to enter the NFL since Adrian Peterson. He is going to command a giant workload. He's going to be so durable. That's the key that Atlanta is, is going to find precious few opportunities to pull him off the field. And so we, we, reset our projections last night to move Bijan up even more because he is an outlier rookie running back. Not only is he a top 10 pick, but he's healthy. Remember Todd Gurley was top 10, but he had the knee injury. So we have a Saquon Barkley. We just have, look at Saquon Barkley's rookie year. Absolutely. So when you actually, it's not just rookie first rounders. You don't go back through time there. Look at the rookie top 10 picks. It, in the last five to 10 years, you're going to have guys like Saquon Barkley that are you comp Bijan Robinson to. So it feels aggressive. Some of these early Bijan projections are ridiculous. I've seen some that have him running for like 1600 yards. That's, that's a best case outcome, but we did raise our median projection after more internal dialogue and conversations about just how, strong, durable, and the dog mentality that Bijan Robinson has, he will command the opportunity share as a rookie that we haven't seen since Saquon Barkley. Yeah, and and Arthur Smith, we have to remember, he gave Derrick Henry 378 carries his last year in Tennessee. Bijan's not going to hit that number, but I think that Bijan Robinson leading the leading all players in in offensive touches is absolutely in play. I talked about this with Billy Muzio this morning. Um, Billy will have him somewhere in the top five for touches, but all he has to do is beat that projection by you know ten percent, and you're talking about a potential. I don't even want to put it out there, but there's a chance that he could be the RB one overall as a rookie, which we haven't seen since Saquon Barkley. Um, you know, Zeke Elliott was up there in terms of in his fantasy finish. Um, but Saquon Bar- Barkley was absolutely fantastic his first year in New York, and I think we could we could see that sort of season out of, of Bijan. And that division, he's a first rounder in seasonal yeah. leagues. Absolutely, I mean he was first rounder there. in high stakes, first rounder in seasonal leagues, top ten. You're saying top five, perhaps? I think that let's let's put this out here. If Austin Eckler is moved to any other team, Bijan Robinson goes ahead of Austin Eckler. We have. Now you get into a Bijan Robinson versus Jonathan Taylor argument. It's an argument to be had. Christian McCaffrey is RB1. It's going to be very difficult for Bijan to ever leap McCaffrey unless there's some sort of a preseason injury. Um, but I think right now he's going to end up at being drafted as the RB2 overall or the RB3. I think he's going to leap Taylor. Um, people like the newness of this. It's a also a very winnable division. So I think being in a chance for positive game scripts where he's going to see an outsized number of carries in the second half, that exists. Atlanta, like you said, has put money into their offensive line. They've put money into their defense. They have uh, two young skill position players that we're into, and they also have a quarterback that they want to take the pressure off of in Desmond Ritter. So it's a perfect storm for Bijan Robinson, Matt. It's absolutely a perfect storm. The Jonathan Taylor comp is strong. Jonathan, the, the, there's Jonathan Taylor vibes here. Imagine Jonathan Taylor with the first round draft capital. Jonathan Taylor was a Heisman nominee. Yeah. 2000 yard running back had a 20 plus catch season in his final year at Wisconsin came out early. So there's a lot of similarities with the exception that the, the NFL thinks Bijan's on a whole new level, a whole other level from Jonathan Taylor. He's a level up. Jonathan Taylor struggled for 10 straight weeks. Like he looked like Trent Richardson through 10 weeks. And then he won you your league. That's right. But that is the cautionary tale steaming up Bijan Robinson into the top five. Be careful. Even a talent like Jonathan Taylor took half a season yeah. for things to click into place. And he had Quentin, Quentin Nelson. He had a, a quality offensive line, a healthy quality offensive line for run blocking in Indianapolis in his rookie year. And still... He was second guessing himself. He was slow to hit the hole. He looked lost, right? You often saw him uh, cutting back in, in, in where, when he didn't need to, and then not cutting back when he should have. 
he just looked confused. And that's going to happen. That's going to happen to Bijan. He is a rookie, and I would not draft him in the top five, but lock him into the top ten. Yeah, I, I, I'm just chalk on Bijan. I, I don't have a, I don't have any strong position on this guy's the number one running back, or I would never draft Bijan in the first round. He's a rookie. I'm just down the middle on Bijan Robinson. Yeah, and I think that that's fine. I think that if you want to treat him as a guy that you know, you take at ADP, that's that's fine. But you don't I'm need at. to reach. You don't need to reach for him. That's where I'm at. And there's going to be a number of wide receivers you're going to like more than him at the end of the summer, Matt. But I think the bottom line is he the, he rewards the early best ball drafters who were taking him somewhere in like that 10 to 14 range. Um, they, they, they're looking good. They like that pick now a, a lot. Um, and I think that he'll end up settling in. We, have, we want, really want to see what happens with Austin Eckler. We talked about this yesterday on First Class Fantasy with Billy Muzio about how Eckler could be like the wild card today um, as a player who could be moved. It would completely shake up the draft. Um, but if if Eckler leaves, I think that, that's, that there's a chance that he moves up into like where Eckler was going, let's call it like the 106, 107. Yeah. Which, you know, and then I think we're maybe yeah. at the top. 107, 108, I'm comfortable there with Bijan. Rookie super flex drafts, okay? Bijan 101, lock Absolutely. it in. Yeah. Lock it in unless I'm not even gonna say unless no matter what your need is at quarterback, go Bijan 101. Okay, he he is going to only rise in value unless you're in the in the early stages, the initial stages of a rebuild, then I would trade it. I would trade the 101. I wouldn't draft a quarterback even. I would trade the 101. I would trade back and see what you can get at 104, 105, 106. Quarterback likely will be there. Yeah. So it it, it Jackson Smith and Jigba, right? That's a guy, he's young. That's a guy you could build around. You don't even need to go. If you're rebuilding in Superflex and, and you, you need quarterback, maybe you wait a year to, to, to go draft your quarterback. Maybe you go Jackson Smith and Jigba. That's a, that's a long-term building block type player. But I think Richardson getting the top five slot locked him in as the 102 in Superflex. There's, you, you agree, 100%. It's the clearest one-two in Superflex okay. that we could imagine. Okay. And then CJ Stroud or Bryce Young? For me, it's CJ Stroud, but I think it's kind of a, it's to me, it's a preference pick, Matt, because I think they both landed in a position where they're the 103 and they're the 104. If you want to defer to the argument that Bryce Young is the is the 101 and that should drive him up to the 103, I I, I get it. I do think that an interesting take is CJ Stroud, I think has more, he's not a scrambler, but I think he has more rushing upside than Bryce Young. And that would be what pushed me up to the 103. The hidden rushing upside. I argued with the projection corner with Billy and with Dario last night. They only wanted to give CJ Stroud like 110 rushing yards. And I was like, that's too low. Give him 200. They specifically protected him and asked him not to scramble. It's not worth it. Right. If, if you're if you're Ohio State, the last thing you want to see is C.J. Stroud scrambling. You don't want that at all. That doesn't make any sense. The weapon's too good. Yeah. Right. And and most of these games are going to be out of hand anyway. So it doesn't make any sense to put him at any kind of elevated injury risk as, as a Russian quarterback. Don't let him do it in the NFL. He's going to have to scramble, tactically scramble to avoid pressure and get first downs. He's going to rack up those 200 rushing yards and he's got the, the size. It was so interesting to watch the broadcast and see the, the, the height difference in the, when the pick, come, well, you know, number one pick comes through number two pick comes through. It's like, Oh, Oh, well, the yeah. second guy, he looks like a quarterback. This is what a quarterback you know, stature is supposed to be. This other guy seems like he's got a lot of great traits, right? He's a, you know, the fastest processor ever by some measures and he'll run the offense as good as anybody be at the high level, high, high functioning game manager. Yes. For Bryce Young. Great. That's good. That's fine. I guess maybe, but Stroud has that Aaron Rodgers outcome where he can move around in the pocket. He can throw on the run. He can do things that in, in, offer a ceiling that Bryce Young simply doesn't, but it doesn't matter. 
It does. It does. It's not like you're chasing the ceiling. His floor is already high. The floor of a of a guy that's going to throw for four thousand plus yards and all these touchdowns and take care of the football, not throw interceptions, and we know has this tactical scrambling ability. Yes, there are these Marcus Mariota outcomes that are possible. I understand that he's one of his comps. Yes, but most of the players that look like C.J. Stroud hit his stature and his college production end up being good NFL players. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I think that it's it's a it's a fine move for for Houston. We certainly don't like what Houston did uh, to move up to three. But and, I think and what, they're, they're they're setting up to fail. I know yeah. they're setting them up to fail, but they do have one of the best tackle duos. Yes, in the league, and they are going to draft another wide receiver. They have John Mechie coming back after missing last year with the Hodgkin's diagnosis. Nico Collins is a functional X receiver, right? He's a baseline X receiver who's not uh, not the worst starting. <laughs> Yeah. Wide receiver in the league. I mean, I'm, just, I'm struggling. Well, I, so you know, they, you know, I'm struggling. I'm struggling to find <laughs> the positive attributes. This is the stone worst wide receiver core in the league. Let's just say it. But you're not drafting CJ Stroud because he's going to win you a league this year in Superflex. That's not what it's about. You don't let the tail wag the dog and change your board at the final hour because you like the landing position of Houston. You know, slightly less than the landing position of Carolina. That's bad process. Absolutely bad process. Um, so yeah, it's to me, it's we're gonna have Stroud, like we're gonna have Stroud ahead of Young um in terms of what we're doing with our rookie drafts, but I get it. I do think Young is a slam dunk at four. Um, I think our, our top four is is pretty clear. And actually, our top five is absolutely clear. You're going to be able to get Stroud at four. It's going to be a great thing. Getting Stroud at four or five is going to be the sweet spot, most optimal value selection because it's both upside and stability that you're getting with that selection in all of rookie drafts. It's going to be the thing that we're celebrating the most. All these CJ Stroud at the 104, 105 and Superflex. That's what I'm looking forward to over the next few weeks. That's what I'm primed for. I have some 104s, I have some 105s, and it's just going to be just Stroud, 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 Stroud. Because they're, they're a one wide receiver away. They're one wide. You have these guys for their career. Let this team try to build around them. This could be a, you know, Houston getting a player like Marvin Mims today in the second round, I think would help a lot. Um, it's too bad they traded all those picks. Though. Too bad they traded the picks. That, that is going to be difficult. But yeah. hey, Matt, when you start trading picks, you start trading more picks. It's a, it's a, uh, it's a habit. So uh, Casario had me for a minute. Yeah, it was literally like a, like a minute of of, of the sharpness, and then you actually you hit, it, was, you had, it was it was a it was a great smokescreen too to keep talking about Levis and, and putting all these the uh, the, the the Levis sandbagging that was happening and just feeding misinformation to beat reporters on a loop for months to get people off that they were going Stroud all along. That was cool. Well, I mean, I think the rumor was out there that Arizona would have take, would take a little less to move out of three. So like, if you know, it's like a dynasty league. If you know, somebody's looking to sell somebody, you don't overpay for it. So the fact that they end up with a player of Will Anderson's pedigree and they pick two, three is great. But it's what they gave up to get there is 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 just crazy. It's just crazy. It was a catastrophe. It's like three. It's like the essentially three first round picks when you add it all up. So it's uh, and that is going to be a very very early 2024 first. Um, even if CJ Stroud hits, you're talking about a potential top ten pick right there. When you're in the early stages of a rebuild, the last thing you would ever do is give up a future first because you know it's going to be top ten. Yeah, and Arizona is sitting there next year with you know two top ten picks. Arizona might have the, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but we might be talking about a, a year from now, did Arizona draft Caleb Williams as a replacement for Kyler Murray? Because Caleb Williams, I think, is going to be this insane prospect. And I think that they're going to have the 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 capability of of going up there and getting them at the top. So that's going to be one interesting oh, one. And you're already spinning forward. Spinning, I'm spinning forward a year. Caleb Williams to Arizona? I'm, I'm throwing it out you're there. You're already doing that? 
I'm throwing it out there because I think they're going to have the capital to do it. And if Kyler, you know, Kyler doesn't, you know, show a step forward when he comes back from injury, I think that Caleb Williams is generational. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves because we've yeah, got other guys it, talking well, about One thing I will say, it, one dilemma that I, I'm open to, anyone in the comments, want to put it in the comments, please share your feelings about Michael Pittman. I don't know. If Stroud was there and Indianapolis goes Stroud, it would have been great for Pittman. Pittman is a true X receiver. He's been top 10 in route win rate on player profile the last two years. We started charting all the times that a wide receiver gets the necessary separation and creates that throw window, what percentage of time, and anytime they don't create that throw window, if they catch it anyway, that also counts as a win. And we just set the percentage of how many, how, how often a wide receiver is giving that throw window to their quarterback or catching a ball in traffic to be top 10 for two consecutive years is rare. There's only a couple receivers that finish in the top 10. He happened to be one of them for two consecutive years. And he's 6'4", 225, athletic. So he is a proper X receiver in an era where so many receivers look more like Josh Downs. There's a hell of a lot more receivers going in the first round, second round that look like Josh Downs and Zay Flowers than look like Michael Pittman. So I'm a Michael Pittman enthusiast. They did finally solve their quarterback problem they've been trying to solve for so many years. It's just a player that we can't reliably say is an accurate passer. So I can't get that excited. Richardson's going to pull pass attempts out of the offense by scrambling relentlessly when under pressure as he should. That's the right. That's the efficient move. That's the, that's the high EPA move is to go ahead and run for a first down in those situations instead of throwing it to Pittman. That's the trade-off. And he was an erratic college thrower. That's just a fact. It could have been so much better had somehow the Colts traded up and got young or Stroud falls to them. If it were Le Levis and Richardson, those outcomes, not as good for Pittman. Where are you on Pittman? I don't want to be completely out. And I think that, you know, he's had a very, um, he's had a very predictable target share. He's a 25% target share guy. You know that there's a chance with a rookie quarterback that that ticks up. Um, and it's a chance that the offense becomes very efficient and he has a chance for outsized touchdowns. I don't want to be completely out, but I do think you bring up some great points. I will say that I've got no one else. Jonathan Taylor, though, see, is going to receive a a bump up because I think we haven't seen Taylor next to a running threat like this. It's very exciting. You think about in a Shane Steichen offense last year, the success that Miles Sanders had um, next to a quarterback like Jalen Hurts, and then you think back to like peak Lamar Jackson, how we saw the Mark Ingram renaissance where these guys are able to get double-digit rushing touchdowns in this sort of a scheme. It's been out there. Now you add a player of Jonathan Taylor's talent. Um, if you want to paint yourself a picture, I think that's the big winner um, for the Colts. Um, but, I mean, it's more of a – Anthony Richardson's going to be a, a, a very effective fantasy quarterback – um, I no think doubt. that's like that's the that's the slam dunk takeaway. Um, and that he has Pittman is great. Yes, so that's he's got, great. He, he's got he's got a true. Who's their alpha. number two? Who's their number two receiver? Well, I think based on based on who they have on the roster right now, I think it's Alec Pierce. Um, and I think that they are going to add another receiver today. Alec okay. Pierce is their number two. Alec Pierce is number two. Which again, you know, in this sort of a a running scheme where they're a heavy run team having a big athletic receiver who can who can beat people deep stylistically is not the worst outcome for them like Alec Pierce was a ridiculous testing type guy he, he does what he works in that offense very well it's put him at Z let him stretch the field I like it yeah but I also like it for Pittman I like that they cleared out their wide receiver room they may not draft a wide receiver yeah on day two or it's possible they 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 roll with what they have they like Pierce. The, then, 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 you, when you actually run the numbers on how many players in this offense can you conceive will command real target shares, that's the out that Michael Pittman needs, where essentially it's a one-read offense. Like, is Pittman open or not? And then I'll figure it out if he's not. If that's how that offense is run, it's probably the offense I would run. Yeah, I think that then, then that's that's how he can 
he'll have to increase his target share. Yes. And, and just to get the same number of targets from previous years. But given that they've they, they've lost wide receiver talent, it's possible. It's not too much to ask either because you talk about a 25% uh, target share guy going to like a 31% target share guy. It's possible. It's very possible. So and I think there's some outs. Um, I think that that's one, you know, for dynasty managers, you can kind of kick the tires on Michael Pittman to see if anybody's kind of scared off. You also have Matt. Um, how many starts does Gardner Minshew get to six. open the year? Six. So six starts with Gardner Minshew, you probably get off to a very nice start with Michael Pittman. So like the offense could become hyper-efficient with Anthony Richardson whenever they decide to, to hand him the football. Um, but to start the year, like that distressed asset um, for, for for Pittman, if he goes a little bit later than he's currently going, then I think he could turn into a real value because Minshew, Minshew and him could really click. He could start hot, absolutely. So you agree that uh... – when you're looking at the quarterbacks, Bryce Young, you would pick him in a seasonal league. So in a high stakes league, you're going to go Bryce Young because he has much better weapons in year one. Well, not much better, but better weapons in year one. But in dynasty, you'd prefer Stroud. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. But Richardson over both of them easily. Yes. Okay. Now at wide receiver, Jordan Addison is the big winner, correct? Jordan Addison is a huge winner. I think that we talked about other people might be a little bit higher on 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 Quentin Johnson after his landing spot, but I think that we are all very excited about Jordan Addison and what it does stylistically for Minnesota. You have a, I think it's a, a huge upgrade over you know an older Adam Thielen to get a player like Addison, oh. and and also it helps T.J. Hawkinson. They they're they're going to be very difficult to defend. And also Jordan Addison's the kind of guy that whether he was at Pittsburgh, whether he was at USC, he was always the focal point of the defense. Now he's going to be able to have fantastic um, you know, matchups every single week. He's never going to draw number one corners. And teams also have to deal with the threat of Hawkinson. Because we have seen, like we saw in the playoffs last year, that if the Hawkinson matchup is working and defenses are giving Hawkinson you know, uh, the available space, they will continually go to him. This so Addison landed really well. Nice and consolidated. Nice. Yeah. Did you have any uh, KJ Osborne? No. We, I, I, I'll take that back. Across my uh, vast array of dynasty rosters, I think I still have one share of Osborne. Um, but so you know, you, you punted Osborne like like you did. Yeah, I had to let him go on a couple of FFPC cuts. Um, it was you know, it's it it stinks letting go of Osborne, but it, it, it's 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 uh, justified especially today because Osborne he's the Tyler Algier of the wide receiver group from the first round yeah, because he's a guy, right? Yes. He's just a solid player that happened to find himself, you know, in a, a target rich environment or an opportunity rich environment uh, and uh, wouldn't stand up to the team drafting a first rounder. Jordan Addison is phenomenal. Yes. Okay. He's phenomenal. And with the breakout finder, it keys in on the best college season more than your last college season. There's a reason for that. There's all kinds of things that can go wrong. Jordan Addison was not healthy in his final season. Jordan Addison had gone through the transfer portal, left Pitt, went to USC. So he's in a new place, new offensive coordinator, wasn't healthy. There's a lot of reasons why he underperformed. But when he was at Pitt and you're watching Kenny Pickett tape, all you could walk away from was, oh, wow, that Jordan Addison kid. Yeah. That's what I love those. Where like, hey, let me, let me go watch some Pickett. Oh, who's the receiver? Right. That's what ended up happening with, with it. So he is arguably the best route runner. He could be better than Jackson Smith and Jigba as a route runner. Cody loves him. He also likes Zay Flowers. Unfortunately, Zay Flowers went to the worst possible spot. It's an interesting debate between Zay Flowers and Quentin Johnston now, because I think we would agree Jackson Smith and Jigba is who you want in Dynasty still, even though the, the landing spot not quite as good, right? If Jackson Smith and Jigba had gone to the Vikings, I mean, yeah. good Lord. I mean, good Lord. I think that we get, there's a lot of people get kind of caught up in terms of like what's around these players, but Jackson Smith and Jigba is an elite talent and he's also falling into a situation where Tyler Lockett is going to turn 31 this year during the year. And as much as we like DK Metcalf and he is a true like alpha receiver, 
he's never finished higher than wide receiver 10 in points per game. So it's not like he's falling into a situation where there's there's this unbelievable player. Like I think there's a chance that in DK Metcalf is no, pretty unbelievable. He's a, he's an unbelievable talent, but in terms of like he had a, he touched on 140 targets this year. I don't think that he's the kind of guy that's going to see more than than 140. So I think that Jackson that's Smith and Jigba is going to step in and be a probably the best the best third wide receiver in the league. Um, and then year two, he's going to absolutely take off. So I think that this... he will take off eventually. What happens in year two, we don't know who the quarterback's going to be. We know he's going to be the number two receiver because Tyler Lockett will be cut. Yes. His cap hit uh, is north of 15 million at 31 years old. He'll be able to save, I think, five to 10 million against the cap by cutting him. So he's, he's an assured cap casualty next year. And they, they, they showed you, right. They yeah. proved it by drafting Jackson Smith, the Jigba that Tyler Lockett is now officially on a one-year deal. So even though we're potentially two years away from really seeing Jackson Smith and Jigba realize his full potential where we might see it this year from Jordan Addison and Jigba is that much better. He's just on a, another plane of existence from Jordan Addison, that in Dynasty, that's what I want. I'm not going to compromise, right, the, uh, the, the, the truly special talent in Jonathan Taylor to go with the guy with the best landing spot in Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Like, we've already learned this lesson. We've, we've been way out ahead on Jackson Smith and Jig, but he, he, their, their lifetime values are going to converge, but Jackson Smith and Jig is going to continue to be ranked higher than Jordan Addison in Dynasty, even if you're going to be drafting Addison in seasonal leagues. Cool. Yes. Cool. It's it, it's it's basically the wide receiver version of Stroud and Young, where I prefer Jackson Smith and Jigba in Dynasty. I prefer Addison in seasonal leagues. That's fine. Then you have Johnston and Zay Flowers, where it is the extreme case of a pretender wide receiver in Johnston versus a real deal wide receiver in Zay Flowers, one ends up in a peach situation. One's a, one ends up in the worst possible situation. Yeah, it's it's interesting because Baltimore, what a day though. You know, they get Lamar Jackson extended and then they draft Zay Flowers. So it's not ideal for Flowers, but I'm very, very, very excited about Baltimore stylistically. Uh, those, those, those combination of wide receivers, it's easily the best weapons that Lamar Jackson has ever had. Uh, and to go with Mark Andrews, I mean, Todd Munkin could actually have a force. We talked about the AFC North uh, being a shootout potential conference as well. So that's great. The Chargers, they have a lot of these similar players. Like Mike Williams and Quentin Johnston are both, you know, kind of similar. And then you have Josh Palmer, who's also got size. So I think that it's a it's a huge win for Justin Herbert. But I've seen some people trying to, like, push Quentin Johnston. And some people I respect trying to push Quentin Johnson up, like way up after the landing spot. I get it. I had a who. They're trying to, you know, potentially put, who. Him, put him in the same. I had a who. I, I'll throw it out there, Matt. Put it up in the same mix with Addison, which I, I, I cannot. I, I, oh, it's a, it's not a, it's not the, the great, it's not a great result either. So stop it. But it's ridiculous. But I will say for, for like Quentin Johnston, we were, we were talked about him potentially falling to like pick 40. And he goes 20, 20 spots ahead of that. So well, Cody he, knew. Cody knew. Cody, Cody was all over that. Cody would have finished number one in the mock draft contest had he just had those receivers reversed. He had them going back to back, but he had it Johnston JSN instead of JSN Johnston. That was all. That Cody is a NFL draft analysis star. And, and a huge hat tip to Cody for all. All, everything he's done this offseason has just gotten us so prepared for this draft. His rookie guide was, I mean, still go get the rookie guide. It'll help you win your your rookie drafts coming up. Um, and then in terms of his mock drafts, he's so spot on. Like it's it's just, it's exceptional work he put in this. Yeah, year. he nailed Uzoma to Kansas City. Unbelievable. You know, a local kid. We, we actually, we went to uh, the local sports radio station, Anna and I, and we talked about Uzoma going to Kansas City. It's funny. It's cool. So the bottom line with Quentin Johnston is he is a field stretcher. He is not 
the most versatile you'd like him to be. You want him to be, right? He's got the size that suggests, oh, this guy can be an X receiver in the league. He's not. He's a Z, right? He's a he's a field stretcher first, and we'll see if he develops into anything else other than that, right? That guy needs to run a sub 4 440. Yeah. Right? To really get you excited. Quentin Johnson goes out and blazes. I'm on board. He goes out and runs something close to a 4-5. That's not good enough. Then all of a sudden, your eyes are playing tricks on you because he's making these plays against TCU competition Okay, in the Big 12 where because he doesn't have that extra gear, those plays are not going to be available to him in the NFL. And so if you're drafting him just because he's a charger, you're missing the forest for the trees where Zay Flowers is the opposite. Zay Flowers is a technician. Zay Flowers is in a terrible situation. Quentin Johnson will likely outproduce him, though Quentin Johnson still has to get past Josh Palmer. Okay, The Chargers tipped their hand on Josh Palmer. They exposed what many of us already knew, that Josh Palmer was and always has been average. like The most average receiver. You look at the advanced metrics on the, in the efficiency. Look at the college production. Look at the workouts. Everything in Josh Palmer is exactly average. That's all he's ever been. The Chargers know that. I know some dynasty leaguers got out a little bit ahead on on Josh Palmer, and now they're they're not they're not you're not feeling they're not feeling good today. So I I I like it when that happens. I like it when average players get exposed for being average, and that's happened. So that's cool. But we are a few months away, a year away at most, from Quentin Johnston being exposed. And time and time and time again, we say, hey, just draft the best player. You had these guys for years. So there's plenty of opportunity for things to change in Baltimore and for targets to open up for Zay Flowers. One of them being that neither Odell Beckham nor Rashad Bateman are healthy for a long period of time. In Zay, in Zay Flowers, I almost said Zay Jones, in Zay Flowers' rookie year. So it's, it's, it's even conceivable given the injury track record of Beckham and Bateman, that Flowers outproduces Johnston in year one. Yep. And then Johnston slowly just fades out of the league and Zay Flowers you know, ascends. And then you're looking and going, man, I, I fell for the landing spot again. God damn it. You can see people two years from now who go Johnston over Flowers just soaked in regret. Zay Flowers becomes the value. Um, in our rookie drafts based on this landing spot, the log jam, the the fact that Baltimore will not have the amount of pass attempts to support multiple weapons. Also, the fact that Mark Andrews is still the, the clear alpha in the offense. But it's we'll bid on the talent. I completely agree with you. I also think Zay Flowers can end up being a like a hyper-efficient player that does a lot with his targets. Um, and I think he's a good enough player that he's going to get some manufactured looks. You talk about all the rushing attempts he had early in his Boston college career. I think that's going to be an underrated aspect of this. Um, and who knows what Todd Munkin has in store. No, that's the big change. I don't want to get into it. You know, there's still the, we don't want to get in the offensive coordinator. Do like, it. you know, I'm not going to do it. Do I'm not it. going to do it. How many times have I been betrayed by GMs that I thought were sharp? How many yeah. times have we been betrayed by offensive coordinators? We thought we're fixing players and fixing schemes many times. Okay. So we're not doing that. We're not doing that. We're not we're doing not that. Doing that. But the bottom line is Zay Flowers is a guy that we're going to be in on. We're going to be just, even if he trends down, we'll be buying Flowers all the way down and eventually all the way back up. Let's take a moment to talk about Underdog Fantasy. Now, many of you have already signed up. Thousands have signed up from Player Profile already over the years. Underdog has supported us since 2020. Much of what you see on Player Profiler is because of Underdog, because of their support. Get the Underdog app, plug in that promo code UNDERWORLD, and they're making the NBA fun. Their NBA pick It's changed my Wednesday night. It's changed my Sunday afternoon. 
I used to play Underdog just for the best ball drafts. I mean, the best ball drafts are amazing. These draft rooms fill so quickly, and you can win life-changing money. You want to take advantage of all the sleepers we talk about on this show? Well, what better place than in an Underdog draft room to do that? And I recommend taking your underdog play to the next level by diving into their NFL pickums. It's important to correlate those NFL pickums. You can pick both the quarterbacks and the wide receivers to exceed expectations. Correlate them, and you can five extra payout. Bada bing, bada boom. Underdog Fantasy, the promo code is Underworld. For an instant deposit match up to $100, Underdog is the truest friend of the Underworld. Cody is a NFL draft analysis star.